Are you a professional woman who wants to create passive income streams and financial freedom through real estate investing? Join us here on Real Estate Investor Goddesses, hosted by Monique Alm. Listen to women who are rocking it in real estate investments as they share their stories of success, failures, and best advice in real estate investing. Start creating real wealth through real estate. Tune in today. Here's your host, real estate investor, syndicator, and developer, Monique Holm. Welcome to the Real Estate Investor Goddesses podcast. I'm your host, Monique Holm. On this show, we interview badass real estate investors, uh, women that are crushing it in the real estate investing space. And today's guest is certainly no exception. So Sonia Rockville is the principal and founder of Bedrock Real Estate Investors, a privately owned real estate company specializing in acquisitions and asset management of multifamily apartments in the United States. She syndicated multifamily properties totaling 374 units and 18 million of assets and has asset value and has passively invested in properties totaling over 400 units and 28.7 million in assets. She began her career as an auditor and later transitioned to finance at a Fortune 500 company. She's a certified public accountant and licensed real estate agent in the state of New York. And now she's a badass real estate investor. <laughs> and I'm super excited to have her. Welcome, Sonia. Thank you, Monique. Really appreciate you having me on your show. Hey, goddess, have you been sitting on the sidelines and you're now ready to get started investing in real estate? If so, join me for my free online training, How to Get Started in Real Estate Investing as a Busy Professional Woman. Go to tinyurl.com forward slash W-R-E-I-G to register for our complimentary training and to learn how to get investing in real estate like a goddess today. See you there. So tell me, how did you get started in real estate investing? Well, I definitely did not have a traditional path at all as it relates to real estate investing. I, as you, as you read in my bio, I started out my career in audit. I knew that accounting was the foundation for business. So I just wanted to learn. So I thought that would be a good place for me to start my knowledge base. But I always had this passion for real estate. And maybe it's growing up in New York, always being surrounded by buildings. You know, real estate is tangible. It's it's transformational and it's really like everywhere. So when I was laid off from my corporate job, I knew that this was an opportunity for me to take a step back and really pursue real estate investing. So I started doing all things real estate. I joined my local RIA. I became part of an organization called Project Reap that helped me also with my transition. And I found a multifamily investment group that was doing something that that I wanted to do. They were investing outside of New York, which was really fascinating to me. And multifamily just made so much sense to me because of the economies of scale. So I actually you know, started investing passively at first in, in multifamily deals. And then I later went on to syndicating. That's great. And it's a path I wish I'd had, which I'd known about syndication and multifamily a lot earlier because, you know, a lot of people will get started, you know, in this in single family house or, you know, just they, they think they need to start small. And so how did you, did you even find out about syndication? 
Right. So I really didn't, I didn't know. I wish I also knew about syndication earlier too, but it was, it was actually just you know, going to and joining different groups and learning because I was just trying to find my strategy. One of the first things that my mentor told me was when I joined the RIA, she was just like, you need to know what your strategy is. And, you know, you have to figure that out. So at first I was thinking, okay, maybe single family, I'll, I'll find a house. And in New York, that that's a larger price tag to find that single family house. And it just didn't seem to make as much economic sense for me with such a large price tag out here in New York. And then I was like, well, could I do single family outside of New York? It started getting complex. And so then I started looking at other strategies and eventually, because part of, part of her platform is having people come in and talk to, talk to the membership about different types of real estate strategies. So one of the, the people that came in was talking about multifamily. And for myself, I, you know, I grew up in an apartment building so I knew what that was like to live in an apartment building, to be a part of a, of a community, to be in that environment. And so, you know, I started listening more and I attended events and eventually I ended up joining a group that was doing multifamily investing. And, and the way they did it was through syndication. I'd like to be able to purchase property, you know, by myself one day, but not yet, not yet. And so a way to do that is if, if you find a, a deal that makes sense and there's a lot that you take on as being a steward of somebody's money. So, you know, you really have to find the right deals and, you know, make sure people understand what they're investing in. And, and then it made sense to me that that could be a path that I would be able to choose. And so I also did that by, you know, joint venturing. That was another, that was another piece that helped to make my transition a little bit faster, finding someone who was also interested in having the same values and in real estate investing was really important too. So putting those pieces together, finding the right partnerships, getting the knowledge and learning was really all part of that transition. It took a, a little bit longer than I'm summarizing, but <laughs> but that that was part of it. That's great. So you started in passive, passive investments, Tell us about the first time you actively invested. Yeah. So the first time was in 2014, we purchased a 48 unit building in our target market in Atlanta. It was a great, it was ended up being a really good deal, but it was very challenging at first because that was the first deal where I was raising money. So it was raising money is always a little bit challenging because you're going in thinking that you're, you're asking people for money for something. But what I really had to do was I got some really good advice on this is just think about it as, you know, if you feel good about your deal, what you're really doing is offering people an opportunity. So it was also just sort of changing a mindset of, yeah. you know, you're not just, you know, asking for money so that you can run off somewhere. Like <laughs> you're buying a property that you're looking over to perform, to provide people with returns, to help better their lives. And, and also hopefully to help to improve the lives of the people that are living in the community as well. So we found that this deal, it was, we had good management in place. They understood that market is a very niche market. 
And we planned on holding the property for, I believe it was about maybe five to seven years is usually the time frame that we we estimate just based on the type of, of debt that we get. But because of the market conditions, so many things worked favorably for us. And we we ended up exiting in about just over two years, I think it was, and far exceeded the returns that we thought we would get. And so did have we did have a stumbling block along the way because just as we were about to sign our contract with the seller, there was actually a fire at the property, which oh, no. affected a number of apartments. It was devastating because we were very you know, concerned about the residents that were there. It was a resident had left a candle on or something. Fortunately, nobody was hurt, but we had to put a complete halt in our, in our sales plans. And we worked with insurance companies. You know, we made sure that every dollar that we got went back into the property and improved it. And actually, we ended up selling it to the same person that initially wanted to to buy it in the first place for more money because we were able to prove the value proposition. We were able to use some of the funds that we had aside, set aside to do improvements plus the insurance money to make some additional improvements to the properties and people really wanted it. So we were able to prove that, you know, there was additional value there. We sold it for for more than we initially thought we would also. So the stars really aligned with that that deal. That's always a nice thing. And I'm sure the investors (laughs) are very happy. (laughs) (laughs) They were. So what are you currently working on now? And this we're in the middle of COVID and yeah. like how are how are things with you and, and multifamily? Yeah. So from an acquisition perspective, we're finding that it's actually very competitive right now, especially in our target market. A lot of people are shifting their asset, their asset allocations or what they would have normally used to purchase other types of commercial real estate. They're shifting it to multifamily. So that means there are more people, there are more people in the market looking for it. There are a lot more people bidding on the deals, even you know, the off-market deals. There's still a lot of competition, right? The off-market deals. (laughs) There's still a lot of competition for those as well. So we're looking at the new deals very judiciously because we know that because of what's happening in the environment right now, some people are having challenges. And, you know, so we have to keep an eye out for things that we may consider to be red flags or items that we'd have to figure out how we would de-risk for if we were to take on that property. So that's, you know, on the acquisition side. On the operating side, for the two properties that we currently have, because we've sold two so far and we have two in our portfolio, we're working with our property management company to work with residents and help to first when COVID broke out, we just wanted to make sure everybody was safe. And that was our main priority. And then we working with people to understand if they're, if they're challenges with their, with their payments, working out payment plans, et cetera. And so right now we're, you know, very closely monitoring our properties, working closely with our property management to, have good communication with our with our residents. So that and managing our operating expenses. So we're being very, very careful with that as well. Yeah. It's a tricky time. It is. It is for sure. Yeah. 
it is. It has been a very competitive in the multifamily realm. So you would think that going what's happening right now might would affect prices downward, but that has not happened yet. No, so, um, no not yet. <laughs> goddess have you been sitting on the sidelines and you're now ready to get started investing in real estate if so join me for my free online training how to get started in real estate investing as a busy professional woman go to tinyurl.com forward slash w-r-e-i-g to register for our complimentary training and to learn how to get investing in real estate like a goddess today see you there I want to ask you, switch gears a, a little bit and ask you a question that I ask all my guests. And it's my favorite question because I find that we get the most gold from, from what doesn't work that, rather than what does. So my question is, what was your biggest mistake and what did you learn from it? Okay. So there was this deal that we just knew we were going to close on. We just knew that you know we were going to move forward with it. We started talking to our investors about it. And then we were a few days away from our due diligence, our, our, you know, our due diligence period. And all the while we had been, been asking about our, some, one of the PL items to get some additional information to substantiate the numbers that we, that we had underwrote. And it turned out that it was actually for insurance. And it turned out that there had been some significant crime on the property that was looked upon very unfavorably by the insurance companies. And it caused our insurance line item to multiply by like at least two or three times. It was completely blew away our pro forma. So at that point, we had already been in contract. We were were in contract. We had done due diligence. We paid for inspections, you know, flew down there, looked at the property. So money had been spent. (laughs) And then when we found this out, we had to take a step back. And while we were being told that, you know, it's possible you're able to maybe get this lowered, you don't have a track record of things like that's happening on properties that you've had, it's possible that, you know, this could come down quite a bit, you know, over the years or, or shortly. We did not feel that that was a risk that we could take, you know, with our investors' money. So that was one of the cases where all the costs that we, we had, we got back our deposit because we're, we're not in the business of losing our deposits. But so it was in time to pull back and get that back. But we we did, you know, we decided not to move forward. And so we had to essentially absorb that cost, all of those costs personally. And I'd say the mistake was, and, and something that, I, that I'll always do going forward and that we've done going forward is just making sure that you understand like when you can have really like wild card items like, you know, insurance, which is just dependent on things that are not just like water bills or water usage. This is something could be happening on the property causing this. 
we really, really need to know all of that upfront. And so, you know, I'm very clear and direct with our brokers. And sometimes I share that story with them. We need to know upfront if there's any major crimes or anything that's going to significantly impact our insurance bills. And we can't find this out like a day or two before uh, due diligence period. Not a good use of time for anybody. So that's one of the things, but there was the lesson in, in that. And that's something that I'm able to share with, uh, with others. So hopefully they don't, they don't make that mistake, but it's very, that was something that was a, that was a big learning. You just really have to take a step back and really make sure that even though you're doing your physical due diligence, there's a lot of paperwork due diligence is just as important. as. Yeah. Honestly, I think you dodged a bullet with that one. We ended up having a property that had a lot of crime in it, and that was not fun. It was very, very challenging to operate a property. We had shootings at that property. We had fires. We had stuff. I mean, it's just people, uh, a gun pulled on our property manager. I mean, it was not every week. It was, you, you know, you'd call our property manager kind of waiting like, oh, God, what, is, what are they going to tell us this week? Yeah. Like, what has happened now? It was not. So you should just, you should be happy. <laughs> you definitely dodged <laughs> Literally dodged a bullet with that. So good. But that's good. It was a good learning, though, to, yeah, you really want to mm-hmm. check the crime rates of, of areas and, of, yeah. and buildings when you're looking. Yes. Um, crime. Yes. Uh, avoid, yeah. Avoid places with lots of crime. And you can have the insurance broker, your insurance broker that you're working with, check that for you, too, as you're as you're doing your due diligence or, or even before, even before yeah. they can they can run it. So that's another that I learned from that too. That's a good lesson. So what are you most proud of? One of the things, and when I think back at my career switch and and moving over to real estate, I'm going to say that that very first deal that I shared with you earlier really did make me the most proud because, and, and very proud because that was the first time that I was actually stepping out on my own, leaving behind or leaving a career that, you know, I built over the years to to do something else. And I'm grateful for the people that believed in us to, you know, invest with us for that, for that deal. And what was even better about that was doing very well for them. So that made me, that makes me feel really good because that's what you want to do. You know, that's what you strive to do when you're, when you're syndicating, you, you want it to work out. And I guess not a complete leap of faith for everyone um, because they know me, but most of them know me as, you know, Sonia, the accountant, not, you know, Sonia, the real estate investor. So sometimes it was a little easier to have conversations with people who were more, I recently met along my real estate journey because everybody was a real estate investor, so they didn't really know me with other hats that I used to wear. But that makes me proud that we did well for them. And yeah, I'm going to say that's my, my proudest moment. I love that. It's interesting. And you say about people who know you as an investor versus wearing your other hats and how it's easier to get investors that way. I've, I have found that too. So people who knew yeah. me as an attorney or knew me you know, wearing other hats, they just didn't yeah. think of me as an investor, right? So it is definitely easier. Yeah. So my next question for you is, to what do you attribute your success? 
I really think a lot about my family and the support that I had from them, my parents especially, and also actually my husband as well. When we we made the decision for me to make this move over, we didn't have we didn't have children at the time, so it was a little bit we had a bit more flexibility, but I really appreciate how they believed in me and, you know, they really supported my journey. And also I'm going to say resilience. It's not easy. You have to look at a lot of deals before you find one that may make sense. So I think I benefited a lot from having support and, and also just being resilient. Love it. And what advice do you have for a woman who's just starting out in this field? I would say just start, get, you know, learn, find groups. If you don't have the people that are around you that also support you, find other people, (laughs) join real estate and investment groups, listen to great podcasts like Monique's, Um, (laughs) you know, you can learn and reach out to people too, because a lot of people are willing to, to help or willing to, you know, provide advice. But I think it's very important to, to just get started. I think that I wish that I had, that's, I think one thing I would say, I wish I also started earlier, but everything and the timing happens always for a reason. But I would say, learn as much as you can, try to join groups and be surrounded by people, but just get started, be active, you know, be active in, in, in your learning and in something that you want to do. I love that. And you might have answered the the question just now, but my last question for you before we get into our end of our famed end of show Trinity is Mm -hmm. what did you wish you'd known at the beginning that you now know? I would say that getting started earlier or understanding real estate earlier or the power of real estate earlier would have been, that's something that I wish. And also the other thing is pretty much every deal that I looked at in 2015 was a good deal. (laughs) (laughs) Everything's relative, right? Yeah. I knew the market was going to keep going up like that. Such a long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Love it. Before we do our Trinity, how can people connect with you or find out more about you and what you do, Sonia? Oh, sure. Well, um, definitely feel free to re- reach out to me on, on LinkedIn. You can visit me on my website at uh, Bedrock re like real estate bedrock re investors with an s.com sign up for a newsletter we we do newsletters and those are the best ways to get in touch with me i'm also also by email sonia at bedrock re investors.com all right now it's time for the trinity which is a brag a gratitude and a desire what's one thing you're celebrating right now what's your brag okay so Although I consider myself a planner sometimes, my end of year planning for the next year always kind of lags a bit. And it's always, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that as efficiently as I could. So 
I'm actually a little excited that I've started to, to think about and put together my planning for next year. And I'm pretty excited about that because I always feel like I'm behind. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm just starting to write down more of my processes and procedures and just keeping those, making sure that those are, are things that I memorialize. So I'm trying to build that up. So I'm pretty excited about doing that. <laughs> it usually takes a little time to do it. But that's one thing I'm proud of right now. Well bragged. And what's one thing you're grateful for? For me, it's so much is about family. I'm definitely grateful for my parents, my husband, our, our two young children. It definitely has been challenging being, you know, in, in lockdown for those several months in the, in the earlier part of the year. But it's great when you can come back from the other side and say, you know what? I like these people. <laughs> so I'm grateful for them. Love it. Beautiful. And last but not least, what's one thing you desire? I think the one thing is I think about my career and my journey. And I know that so you you can't pass down like what you learned from college. You can't pass down your degrees to your kids and and you can't pass down your, your licenses to your kids. But One of the things I really desire is to really help to create generational wealth for them and, you know, for the people that invest with us. And whether that's staying the course in multifamily or looking for the opportunities that are presenting themselves in the market right now, those are, you know, I think I want to be able to still be able to create that path. But what I really like about multifamily is your ability to directly impact communities and and, and directly impact lives. So situations where you're doing well for your investors and you're doing well and you're doing well for your community, I feel is a good, that's a good trinity too. <laughs> Love it. Well, so shall your desires be or so much better than you can imagine under grace and in perfect ways. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much. This was great oh, having I'm- you on there. Had a great time. Thank you. So y'all, you can connect with Sonia on LinkedIn or at bedrockreinvestors.com. The links to connect with her will be in the show notes and you can connect with me at reigoddesses.com. There you can join our investor club and find out about passive investing opportunities like we talked about today and also join our community of goddesses from all over the world who are investing in real estate and supporting one another. So definitely join us there, reigoddesses.com and subscribe to this show, share it with friends, give it a lot of love in the reviews and join us next time for another REI Goddesses interview. Bye-bye. Bye. You have just listened to another episode of Real Estate Investor Goddesses, a show dedicated to sharing stories of women creating real wealth through real estate. If you found value on what you just heard, feel free to share with your friends. Visit us at reigoddesses.com to learn more about our programs and live events, as well as to access other resources. Until next time.